think we've got to be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again. We are exploding, the world is gonna know it. We rock it like we're never gonna see us again. Coming to you live from the Connecticut School of Broadcasting in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, this is Pure Gold with your host, David and Joe. Good evening, everyone. It is 6 p.m. and Pure Gold is live and on the air for this Wednesday night, May 23rd, 2012. Welcome once again to the show that covers Woo! everything and anything and tells it like it is. Woo! My, yeah. my name is Joe, just business with Chino, and my tag team partner playing the sound bites is David Gomez, sir. How are you? I'm doing fabulous, sir. Just excited and ready for another awesome episode of Pure Gold, the greatest show in the world. That is hands down, not debatable. It's just a matter of fact. <laughs> Indeed. The contact information, sir. Let's get the show on the way. Folks, as always, if you'd like to be a part of this show, give us a call, 714-364-4721. You can check us out at puregoldpg.com, or you can watch, listen, see all the greatness you can check out all our past shows there. You can see our Twitter, of course, on the Follow Us tab, our Facebook, our YouTube, which we haven't updated in about seven months, I believe. And we probably only have about ten videos in the, in the you know two years or whatever it is that we, we started doing the the, uh, the videos. But, folks, check it out. Again, puregoldpg.com. JB? Thank you, sir. On the show tonight, we may or may not have a guest. Woo! Possibly, maybe. Definitely, obviously. Well, we were talking some WWE. Wait, what is the point? We will be talking about our beloved Mets and our hated rivals, the New York Yankees. We will? Are you sure this is going to be one of those times where we just mention we're going to talk about the Mets and then we don't actually talk about them? I think we have time tonight. Oh, good. Good. We'll be, and then finally, we'll be joined by Kevin Canessa to break down Game 5 of the NHL Stanley Cup Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, the ooh, Rangers nice. And the New Jersey Devils. <laughs> Gotta love the sound bites, sir. So, what are we going to start out with today? Sure. Wednesday night, 6 p.m., sir. Let's get it going. All right. Again, once again, if you would like to call in and contribute to the show. Once again. Talk about everything and anything. It's 714-364-4721. One more time. 714-364-4721. Thank you, sir. <laughs> now, this past Sunday, sir, was Over the Limit. And again, if you ordered Over the Limit, you should have been put under arrest because... It was a pay-per-view that, once again, I don't understand. Once again. Once again, why do people buy these pay-per-views, sir? I mean, the fact that Cena and Lauren Ice was the main event right there. Awful. Awful. And predictable. You know, I don't understand. I know we didn't buy it. And the truth is that you and I only get probably the the major – well, we ordered WrestleMania. We didn't even order the Royal Rumble this year. We ordered WrestleMania and we ordered the Survivor Series because of The Rock, and that's basically it. Normally, we don't even order the Survivor Series, so we're probably the type of guys who get two or three pay-per-views a year at most. We watch the shows. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm pretty much on the, on my last legs with that, though. I mean, we may soon – we may be talking about old wrestling and past wrestling and nothing current because it's it, – yesterday's show, uh, Monday's show, forgive me, was so terrible, coming off of that horrible ending to the pay-per-view. It's like they say, it doesn't matter how you start, it's how you finish, and that ending – it goes to show you that WWE is a joke. The people who watch it are idiots, including us. And that ending with Laurinaitis and Cena, it doesn't even make sense. How is that going to end your pay-per-view, sir? You have a WWE Championship match. You have an amazing match, which apparently was match of the year, between Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. But instead, 
you finish your pay-per-view with Lauren Ennis and Cena, and what bugs me is that the WWE champ never, ever, unless his name is John Cena, never finishes the pay-per-view. Explain that to me, sir. So not only do we have a terrible pay-per-view, but the main event match itself was predictable. We talked about Big Show coming and helping Lauren Ice because he was fired. But, sir, wasn't there a little snafu? Um, Lauren Ice mentioned that he rehired Big Show on Saturday? Yeah, and, and the funny thing is, when I first saw it, when I first heard it, I literally out loud said, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on a second, that, that's wrong. It's What? So I mean, he should be fired. Obviously, I'm watching the show with my seven-month-old, my wife, you know, my daughter's knocked out, my wife really made a comment or two later on, but for the most part, I'm watching this garbage by myself, and I just happened to be, you know, in front of the TV. I didn't plan on it, because normally I'll watch Raw and Rerun later, uh, fast-forward through everything on DVR. But when I heard that, I said, how is that possible? And, sir, what's interesting is that I went to check Justin Labar from WrestleZone, one of our past guests. He mentioned that that was actually written into the script, so they forgot about the stipulation. And the reason they changed it was because of guys like me who jumped all over on Twitter, and apparently somebody saw it and so many fans tweeted it that the WWE had to later on issue a correction, and they had to say that uh, through Michael Cole – and no, the the contract was actually signed on Monday because, like you said, he should have been fired if it was signed on Sunday. So John Cena, not even the WWE title pitcher hunt or even the World Heavyweight title hunt, yet he's still the main event. Yet he's, the show, the company, still centered around him. I think that's you know, I, I think that's boring, sir. And the fact that the WWE title has been devalued so much that you know CM Punk is a has been a champion for a while now. And, you know, it goes under the radar. Yeah, he's been champ for close to seven months, and it really does go under the radar. And when you have the the match of the year, to pay, the match of the night, the show stopper, as it were, and he doesn't even get a main event slot on a horrible pay-per-view like Over the Limit, it just goes to show you it, it, it's Cena love fest, and I don't get it. I really don't. But, sir, going back for a second, how could the WWE, how could all these monkey writers they have, how could you make that big of an error when the entire match stipulation was if anybody – for the from the WWE gets involved, Lauren Ennis gets fired. But then the next night on Raw, he mentions that he rehired him on Saturday, which would have gotten him fired. Good point. How about the fact that John Cena lost to John Laurinaitis with what one move by Big Show? Yet Brock Lesnar <laughs> destroyed him. Brock, the pay per view before kicked the crap out of him, beat him to a bloody pulp, and Cena wins with a chain to the face and an attitude adjustment on the steps. And Brock Lesnar, you know, legitimate tough guy. Legitimate UFC world champion ends up losing to two moves, and Cena, who destroyed Laurinaitis, ends up losing to. One. It it goes to show you that WWE just cares about their, their own image, about making their guys look better, and that that's it. Because uh, Cena is a WWE guy. The more steroids you take, the more popular you are. <laughs> Cena's a, a, a WWE guy. That was Alex, who's I don't know what Alex. Apparently, he's on steroids now too. But uh, you know. You have Cena, you have Lorna, you have all these guys who are WWE scum, and Brock Lesnar, who could make it legitimate. Nothing, sir. Absolutely nothing. It's a joke, and it sucks, and I hate it. <laughs> yeah, and um, I, I don't know if this is a bad sign for the WWE, but you know, their their stock is at a 52-week low. They're under 8,000 shares. It's always at a 52-week low. It seems like every, yeah, it seems like every week, well, the Facebook IPO thing, that, I mean, we can get into that at some point, but... The WWE stock always seems to be on, on a 52-week low. And, I mean, 8 bucks, come on. Everyone in the WWE went public, how big of a thing that was. Now they're publicly traded. Their stock sucks. And, I mean, I don't even understand it. They, they make all this money 
Apparently, allegedly, they have these horrible pay-per-views that people buy, but yet their stock sucks. Explain that to me. I don't want to even try to explain that to you. How about the fact that the WWE has this great news coming July 23rd? Oh, baby! Play some sound bites, please. Oh, baby! You <laughs> because know, dun, 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 play like the room after I, I announce this. <laughs> I don't even know what sound bites to play because the truth of the matter is that there you go, three weeks. <laughs> And in, in, that actually is the 1,000th episode of Raw, which is an amazing accomplishment. Amazing, yep. Which they're, of course, touting, you know, more than Gunsmoke, more than this and that. I mean, who right. cares? But uh, Simpsons. Yeah, Simpsons. 1,000 episodes, amazing. But, sir, the, the three-hour shows that they've done recently have been horrible. Imagine, they, can't, they couldn't even put on a two-hour show this Monday that was entertaining. How are they going to put on an extra hour? What, are they going to put John Cena and John Laurinaitis in seven more segments? I mean, it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. You see the same five or six guys, ten guys at the most on these shows anyway, and then you're going to get an, an extra hour every single week. It, it's going to be a total flop, a total disaster. I mean, all I can say to Vince McMahon is... Go to hell! Because it, it, it's an absolute <laughs> disgrace. I don't even understand. you got to explain this to me. Why are they doing this? What's the point? Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if USA just doesn't have the ratings anymore. And they Wait, think they what is the point? They feel like the you know the WWE Raw ratings are really good, so they're going to make an extra hour. But they're not even. I mean, they're better than other programming, I guess. That's on, on at that time, but they're they're not even good compared to their own numbers. Right. You know, and I just don't get it. It's the product is so watered down. Adding an extra hour. I mean, the pay per views are boring, and you're adding an extra hour. Come on, Joe. That, that, that's that's a complete and utter disaster waiting to happen. It's going to be horrible. Nobody's going to watch that first hour. And it just, I mean, what, are we going to get more Santino? Come on, you make us all sick. Another match that, to me, I guess you could have gave the, the title to Jericho was that four-way. Uh, I thought it was, you know, whenever the WWE does these gimmick matches, usually the, the champion retains, you know, they, they make this picture, they paint this picture about how the champion only has a 25% chance of winning or retaining the title. And then he always usually ends up retaining the title. So, um, Chris Jericho, uh, what's it in his contract to just job all the time now? Apparently, he's pretty much there just to, uh, you know, he's pretty much there just to lose every match. And now it looks like he's starting a feud with Randy Orton. And I just don't get it. To me, Jericho's return has been a failure. Jericho's return has been a just a disaster. He has, I mean, he put Punk over. That's great. But when a guy doesn't win a single meaningful match. What does it matter? I don't even want to see Chris Jericho again. If this is the crap that he's gonna, they're gonna have him do. Right. Um, I guess the only good news that we have as biased, pure gold co-host here of the show is that the fact that Christian is back. And sir, we have a new inter- inter- intercontinental champion, and his name is Christian. And but the only thing that doesn't make sense to me again is that he's face. Well, yeah, it doesn't make sense, but. I mean, they just they needed a face on SmackDown, and that's pretty much it. Christian's a guy who can go in the ring. He can he does his job on the mic. Christian is the man. Um, you know, he just does he does what he can do. He's awesome. You know, he's absolutely positively one hundred percent awesome. And I think that he's going to be great for SmackDown. He, I mean, he got a pretty big introduction yesterday in Raw. He got a nice little reaction. I mean, Christian is good, sir. There's no there's no if ands or buts about it. I mean, I think that. What they should do is they should have had Christian come back, go after Punk, go for the title. But he's the Intercontinental Champion, so he's pretty much going to have to help anchor SmackDown because right now it's just him and Sheamus. Uh, Orton's not technically a face, so I, he wouldn't really count into that. Anything happened on SmackDown last night? Uh, on SmackDown last night? Um, you mean tonight? 
Oh, wait, no, sorry, today's Wednesday. I'm getting confused with Tuesday. I don't know. I didn't check the spoilers, so I can't even comment on that. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> there's, there's no there's no if ands, or buts, sir. It's an absolute joke. Right, so basically we're, we're upset with the product, yet we still watch it. Like I said, the WWE is like nicotine to us. We are addicted. As bad as it is for you, we still watch. People still smoke. They know it's bad for them. Great analogy. Yeah, it really is, sir. Well, what else is on tap? Um, I we made a list and uh, I thought it was good to just maybe talk about a couple of these. We played the what if game at our production meeting the other day, and um, I thought it was good to maybe just you know analyze a couple of these what ifs because without these what ifs, uh, we'd be negative Nellies all the time. You're right, sir. So uh, set set us up. What's the first one on tap? Well, the first one I have is. What if Stone Cold Steve Austin was healthy still and The Rock never left for Hollywood? Well, if we were going to discuss, I mean, we could really make an entire show about this, which is something that we talked about. But the truth is, if you were to look at the WWE at the time when Austin left, WrestleMania 19 is his last official match almost 10 years ago. Um, Austin was kind of like on a downward spiral. He wasn't main eventing that match. He he was he, he was actually mid carding during. Uh, he was actually mid-carding during the whole, uh, you know, thing with the NWO, Scott Hall, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I think that Austin would be doing what Chris Jericho is doing now. I can't imagine that he would still be main eventing. There's no way. <laughs> there's no way I agree with that one. As we have our producer uh, Alex putting up some some questions here. <laughs> one of them is, what if Randy Orton wasn't such a douche? I totally agree with that. We can do an entire show on Randy Orton being a douche. But uh, aside from that. I think that he, like I said, he'd be in Jericho's shoes. He wouldn't be, you know, 40-something plus and still main eventing pay-per-view, so it just wouldn't make sense. And would The Rock still be at the top of his game? Oh, The Rock's only about 39 or 40. I think that he would still be at the top of his game, but the same thing. I don't understand. It, it's kind of tough because you're talking almost eight, nine years, ten years practically, since these guys have retired, since these guys have gone off. The Rock just wrestled recently, but he was gone for seven or eight years. It would be a tough situation to put them in, but there's no way they'd still be at the top of the company. Look at Triple H. Triple H the same exact uh, era, and he's not doing anything. He's just behind the scenes, but he's not wrestling anymore for the most part. But I'm wondering if guys like CM Punk, um, even John Cena to an extent, would be um, mainstream. I definitely don't think Cena would be as big of a star as he is because he had to take over. I mean, sadly enough, they put him in the spot to take over when you no longer had a rock. When you Because know, the rock left when Cena pretty much took over. That was part of their whole feud. Um, if you were to go that route, then Cena wouldn't be the, the main face of the company that he is now, which would be a godsend. Folks, if you want to contribute, again, the phone number is 714-364-4721. The what-ifs continue, sir. Here's another one that I really want to talk about. What's that? What if someone other than Vince McMahon bought WCW? Well, why don't you take that one for a second, sir? I'm curious. What What would you say? I really think that there would be much more entertaining TV in terms of just having better product, um, you know, we'd be able to, at least Vince would have some competition then, sir, and he'd be able to um, put on a better product. I think right now the, the product is watered down. Uh, there's no reason to change the channel. There's no reason to be motivated to put on a good product. This is the only thing that's on TV. If you consider TNA, maybe um, that's their quote-unquote competition. But, sir, without without, you know, Without somebody else owning WCW, I think that WCW, I think that it would be a great it would be a great spot. I mean, it would be a great idea if Vince 
somebody other than Vince bought it because it would it would still create that competition, and that's when wrestling was at its greatest when there was competition. Yeah, and the, I know we talked about this off the air, but in 2001 when WCW went under, the truth is that the way it was set up, WCW was already in its last like They were horrible. If somebody else had bought it, it would have been great for the company. It would have been great for business. It would have been great for everything WWE-related because the truth of the matter is – Look at how bad the product is now. Look at how it is. Look at the way we see it. We think WWE sucks for the most part. But you have all these people, you know, all these guys who are out of work. TNA never would have existed. That's one thing. And um, we would be in a situation where you would have a company competing. WCW 10 years later would still be would still be in a situation to, to compete. But the fact is that they were, like I said, on the downward spiral. They weren't doing a good job. They were just scumming it up, as it were. So you would have needed somebody else to come in, clean house, get rid of everybody, and start all over again. My question, my counter question to you is, what if Jerry Jarrett had bought WCW instead of buying TNA? Or instead of starting TNA? Yeah, I think that we'd still have good TV. I think whenever you have two companies or when you have two brands, you're always going to have the other one trying to outdo the other one. Right. And with that, gets good TV. I mean, we have bad TV right now. You're absolutely right. I mean, the TV that we have is so bad. There's just no way. There's no way for us to even to even complain. You know, there's no way to even get into it. Yep, sir. We have a call on the line. Yes, uh, we do have a call on the line. Actually, um, folks, um, th- this is definitely a bit of a surprise, but I am proud. We are proud and privileged to have joining us this evening. Uh, Lisa Mateo from WPIX. Lisa, how are you doing this evening? <laughs> hey, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good. Getting it, winding down my day. <laughs> uh, that, that's some good stuff, Lisa. Uh, you know, we really appreciate you giving us a few minutes and just, just coming on. Um, now, one thing that I'm curious about is uh, I've seen you, you know, I've seen you on Channel 11. And, uh, you know, you, you do your thing there. But what exactly got you into, like, how did you end up at Channel 11? Oh, um, well, I used to, like, I graduated with a degree in journalism, but I was basically newspapers, and I always wanted to be, like, live on the scene. Like, I would go to newspapers, and I have to wait for the next day for it to come out. And I was like, no, I wanted to be live, you know. So I, I went out, and um, Pix was hiring at the time. They were looking for, um, for, uh, for like, intern PA, so I applied for the position, and I got it. So I started there, you know, basically getting coffee, <laughs> running scripts, rolling the <laughs> teleprompter. I mean, way at the bottom. That's where I started, like, about 12 years ago. Wow. Um, and, yeah, I just kind of worked my way up, kept working hard and showing them what I wanted to do, and, and they gave me a shot, and um, and I'm loving it. I do so many different things <laughs> that are <it's> incredible. <laughs> well, since you touched on that, for those for those people out there, because, you know, the show is broadcast out, you know, you, anybody can hear it, different states, and we're mm-hmm. from the New York, New Jersey area, but let's say somebody who's not familiar with you, what, what are the things that you do on Channel 11? Uh, how would you explain sure. that since you touched on so many different things? Exactly. Like the first way I started, I started as a, a PA. Then I went to like a producer or a writer. I was behind the scenes writing, and then I went to a um, traffic reporter up in the helicopter, which was great. I had a lot of fun doing that. A lot of fun doing that. Um, and then from there, I went on to you know reporting news on the street, um, live on the scene, different places. I've also um, I report the weather as well. I'm a, a weather anchor for the show. I'm actually going back to school now for meteorology. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah, I do other stuff. I anchor the news, too. I fill in. So I kind of do a little bit of everything. I'm like their, basically their go-to girl. <laughs> so that's how I do it. It's just that, fun. That's a, it's fun. Well, 
Is it just me, Lisa, or do a lot of people tell you that the news on Channel 11 is unique? Yeah, no, it's definitely it. I mean, what we try to do at Channel 11, we just try to to listen to what the people in the community are saying and what they want to be done, what they need help with. Like, we do a lot of community stories. Like, if someone has any kind of problem, if they need a voice, like, we serve as that voice for the community. I think that's what sets us apart, what makes us different. And you were recently awarded uh, something about two weeks ago? Yeah, it was um, the National Business Council um, Scholarship Committee. They, they honored me um, just for my work in the Hispanic community and and for, for helping them out. I mean, it's a great organization. They do um, they raise a lot of money for just uh, Latinos in New Jersey who need wow. help going to school, who can't afford it, and they give them scholarships. And it's great. I mean, it, it's not easy because they have to work hard for them. They have to, you know, maintain a certain GPA and everything. Um, but it's great because, I mean, we all know how expensive college is and any little bit can help out. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I think about that now with all the student loans that I'm paying. And oh, yeah. I'll, Me too. I still got them. <laughs> I'll probably be paying them to my daughters my age, if not longer. That's what I said. <laughs> and the, the funny thing is my wife and I, you know, she's a nurse and, and I, I went to school for graphic design and whatnot. And we spent years, and you know, four and a half, five years each in college. And we think about it now, and we, we support higher education, we support continuing education, but sometimes I think, man, is it even worth it to go get a four-year degree? Like, I know that I spent years and years um, doing courses that I, I don't even use. Like, I was an art major, but I was forced to take math courses. I was forced to take a course for no credit because I didn't place well into it. You know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But for those people out there who are studying, you know, whether it's trade school, whether it's college, it's just so expensive, and, and sometimes I wonder, you know, you look at the articles, you look at the things online, and it seems like there's people, depending on what you study, it's just such a tough world out there. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's really tough, and I totally understand, I mean, how expensive it can be. I mean, I'm I'm going back now, and, it, and it's, I mean, it's tough. I see the, the prices are just ridiculous, but I think, I mean, for me, it's helped me out so much in my career. Like, without it, I couldn't have gotten to where I am today. So for me, it, it's been a, a huge help for me. Um, and I do, I urge, you know, kids out there, like, you know, it's something, it's a good thing to have. It's a good thing to have under your belt. I mean, especially in the market that there is today, I mean, you need every little edge you can to kind of put you over the competition. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And speaking of edge, speaking of competition, um, <laughs> the first thing that, yeah, because again, the the picks news is early in the morning. You know, my wife will tune it on. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> she'll watch it at times. For the most part, I wake up, I go straight to work. So, you know, when I'm up early, I'll, I'll watch it. One of the things that I've seen online several times where I first heard of you is actually because of the IWF. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm curious, Lisa, the couple of times <laughs> that I've seen the videos, you jumping around, lightning, Lisa, etc. <laughs> How did all that come about, and how is it that you end up doing all these different things with the IWF? <laughs> it's it's funny. I just because basically I'm a features reporter too, so I'm always looking for fun things to do for the show. <laughs> and I was looking like to to do like I, maybe it's like a personal thing for me. I always wanted to be a wrestling superstar, <laughs> but it, I, you know I looked them up, and I live in New Jersey, and they're you know in New Jersey or Nutley, New Jersey. And Kevin Knight is just fantastic. I mean, he is the best person to work with, has the best personality. And him and, I mean, all the all the wrestlers there, they showed me the moves, and I had such a great time. I mean, jumping off the top boat, like body <laughs> slamming. I mean, it was I, – I had the best time. You don't understand. Um, body slamming? But, yeah, it's, just, it's, a, it's a great organization. I mean, and they, they held that, that fundraiser lately, um, recently that I went for the uh, American yeah. Cancer Society, yeah. and they do great things. Lisa, you uh, you body slam people? Is, is did I hear that correct? 
<laughs> they did. They taught me like all these little moves they do, and it was. I think. I think I wrestled Big Daddy. I think the same. It was hysterical, and they had me jump off the rope on his back, and then they, you know, I off the side rope, and then you know, I clotheslined him, and he fell, and then I jumped on top. I mean, I had the best time. I I don't know if it was me just getting my aggression out for the day, but they were like, Lisa, you, you know, you sure okay? And I was like, yeah, this is great. Oh, but that was that was so much fun. It's like, that's what I love. Like I get to do so many different things. Like every day, it's something new. <laughs> well, there you go, Lisa. I was gonna cheap plug us for Pure Gold and say if you ever need a, you know, two guys, an up and coming uh, co-hosts uh, that you you know, uh, internet radio. You know, we're always free. We're always available. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> Let me ask you though: Have you been watching? I mean, you're uh, are you a wrestling fan? Do you watch wrestling? Um, I used to. Like I used to. I mean, The Rock was, like, my favorite of all time. And, like, I've interviewed him before, so he kind of lived up to Like, sometimes, you know, you interview people, and, and they're not very, like, nice and pleasant. They're kind of rude to you. But he was just, like, fantastic. Like, I even did, like, my rock impersonation for him, and he was just dying laughing. Like, <laughs> you know, it was just, it was, it, I just loved him back in the ring then. And when he came back again, I was super psyched. But, um, yeah, it's it just, it's just fun to watch. And now I see, like, my son's, um, nine, and I see him watching that, and it's just like, you know, I just remember, you know, watching, and now I see him doing it. It's just great, you know, like the generations, how it goes on. Right. Right. Did you uh, watch, you know, when he returned against John Cena at WrestleMania? Yeah, I watched, like, part of it, and I was just like, oh, my, it was, it was great. Like, I was talking with friends back and forth about it, and they're like, Lisa, you're just crazy. I'm like, no, but it's The Rock, and they're like, what, really? <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, you They're just, like, what? You're like, how old? I'm like, come on. You can't. It's The Rock. <laughs> yeah, I mean, The, the Rock uh, crosses all types of generational you know, boundaries. I mean, he's done good movies. He's done some not-so-good ones. But everybody knows who The Rock yeah. is. He's, he's exactly. that man. Now, you mentioned interviewing him. Uh, would you say that he's probably the, the most interesting person you've interviewed or maybe your favorite interview subject? Yeah, I think he beat Hollywood just because – he, like, was interested in what I was saying. You know, like, you know, you ask him questions, they're like, no, but tell me about you. And I'm like, really? You want to know about me? Like, <laughs> really? So it was that kind of thing. And him and also, because I used to be um, an entertainment producer for the show, too, so I used to travel on, like, movie junkets and interview celebrities. So Will Smith was just fantastic. I mean, oh, wow. the personality he has, he was great, too. Um, Tim Carrey, actor, one of my absolute favorite comedians of all time. I mean, he was fantastic. Like, it was just great. Like, and he had me dying laughing during the interview. And yeah. You never know what to expect of him. He's a funny guy. Will didn't slap you by chance, did he? Because I heard he likes to slap reporters. No. And fire No, no, Will said it. Yeah, no, I, I didn't go in for a kiss for him, no. Now, Lisa, um, why don't you just plug what you're doing, what you're working on currently with the like your special? You said you work on fun events. Anything that's coming up on the WPIX? Yeah, um, I, don't know, I guess other things I like to um, I do a lot of stuff like for I'm doing um, a race on Sunday coming up um, for the show too. Um, it's basically like a, a memorial 100 mile run. It's a 100 miles from like Orient Point, New York, all the way to World Trade Center. It's like you know Marines, first responders. So I'm not doing the 100 miles, but I'm doing the last five-mile leg, you know, the, the last race into the World Trade Center. It's going to be just a nice thing for me. I mean, it's going to be an inspirational time, emotional. They, you know, the money goes to wounded warriors. And my dad, you know, was in Vietnam War, and, and he was wounded as well. So it's kind of like, you know, a touching thing for me to do. Um, but other than that, I mean, they just 
had me busy doing so many different things on the show. Um, and it's great. I mean, you know, I wake up at the crack of dawn, one thirty in the morning, but you got to love what you do to wake up at 1.30 every morning. So you're basically going to be going to sleep right after you hang up the phone on us, huh? Yeah, no, i got to go for a run first. <laughs> got to get prepared for the uh, the thing on Sunday? Is, is that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, is that going to be on the news? Are we going to be able to see that? Um, probably, like, I'm going to be doing, like, a preview on, um, Friday, and then I think they're getting the camera crew out there Sunday, we'll see, we're trying to get one out there. Well, so, I mean, it's, yeah, it's Lightning fun. Lisa Mateo, you got to have a camera crew out there to see what she's doing. <laughs> there's, there's Lightning Lisa Mateo, there's Mad Dog Mateo, they've come up with so many <laughs> names for me, it's hysterical. Oh, Lisa, <laughs> you know, we thank you so much for joining us, and I can honestly sure. say, all the time we've done this show, I don't think we've ever had a, a guest laugh as much as you did, so that, that's always a plus that, that you know, you enjoy yourself. Oh, and hopefully, thank you. Uh, I do. I do. It's, oh, it's a lot of, I just, you have to laugh. You know what I mean? It's just, oh, of course. You have to. It's, of course. I, I laugh <laughs> at my co-host all the time. That's why, you know, we've been friends for so long. But uh, Lisa, again, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And we'd you love to have you on again. And, you know, hopefully you'll, you'll be doing some new crazy special that we can talk about. Oh, you bet. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. Have a good evening. Okay, you too. Bye. Folks, that was the one and only Lightning Lisa Mateo, Mad Dog Mateo from WPIX Channel 11. What a a surprise that was. And the reason I say it was a surprise is because I actually thought that Lisa was going to call in next week. But, um, you know, we must have gotten our signals crossed. But it's definitely wonderful to have her on the air. and, And we're just so thankful for her considering, you know, all the great guests that we do have. Lisa is absolutely up there. There's no... If ands or buts about that. And before, you know, I see we have a caller on hold here. Before we go to that, uh, let, let's take a quick break. You are listening to Pure Gold Radio. I am actress Laura Jean Salerno, and they are David and Joe, and they are bringing you all the upcoming inside exclusive information on everything sports and entertainment ever. Hey guys, you are listening to Pure Gold Radio. David and Joe are keeping you in the loop on all things sports and entertainment. And I'm actress Laura Jean Salerno, and I approve this message. Hi guys, I'm actress Laura Jean Salerno, and you're listening to David and Joe on puregoldpg.com. So relax, put your feet up, and listen in. I mean, not on the table, because that's just gross. Folks, <laughs> that was the wonderful, the talented, our favorite actress ever, Laura Jean Salerno. Uh, just, she was a wonderful guest, and we just had to throw all the promos out there. But, folks, uh, you know, we, we thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, if you'd like to be a part of this show, you can always call us in Pure Gold, 714-364-4721, and check us out at puregoldpg.com. And somebody who always checks us out at puregoldpg.com, somebody who always calls in the show, is the one and only, the incomparable Kevin Mike Francesa Canessa, how are you doing this evening, sir? Oh, mega dittos, mega dittos. Uh, uh, wrong show, sorry. <laughs> so, Sal, how, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing very fine, Rush. How are you this evening? It's good to talk to you. <laughs> uh, a, a pleasure, as always, sir. Now, uh, there, there's a couple of things on the docket that we'd like to discuss with you. First sure. off, let's get into a little Mets talk. Let's talk about our beloved New York Metropolitans. Sir, uh, is there any truth to the rumors that you are actually behind the uh, scenes as Mr. Met? <laughs> I'm 
my head size is as big as his. I can tell you that much. But uh, uh, no, the truth of the matter is, it's a lie. It's a, it's a lie. But 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 we we're actually pretty similar girth too. Uh, more and more I think about it. So yeah, I I could see how somebody would kind of get confused too. <laughs> well, oh my goodness, sir! Since we talked to you last, uh, the Mets were uh, playing the Cincinnati Reds. They split the the series with them two, one and one, and then. They went on the road, and sir, I mean, have you ever been so excited to lose two out of three the way the Mets did this past weekend? Oh my goodness, it's unbelievable. I I I, I don't know if it was you, Joe, or somebody else, but the Mets, somebody said the Mets find the most creative ways to lose, and and it almost makes this team losing almost uh, tolerable. It's 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 unbelievable <laughs> the way they found ways to lose this year. Um, mostly at the hands of Frank Francisco, but we can we can live with that, but. You know, the Who's that you said? Oh, exactly, exactly. The, the the new Benitez. But still, look at the look at the standings. They're still twenty four and twenty. I mean, we're, we're, I, I keep saying this to any any all these Philly fans who I'm surrounded by down here now. I, I, if you had told me that the Mets would be twenty four and twenty, and the Phillies would be in last place in the National League Eastern Division, I would have signed up for that in a heartbeat. And that's exactly where we are right now. So I'll tell you what, despite the, despite some of those, those those wild, wacky losses, this has been a fun ride, hasn't it? It has. I'm just referring to the fact that the Mets have been more resilient this year than they have been in the last couple of years because, again, they lost two, the first two in Toronto, and you expected the Mets to lose game three, especially with our mm-hmm. closer pitching. And he came back and struck three straight guys out, ended the game, and then the other resiliency that the Mets have had this past week is that the fact that they go to Pittsburgh, they lose a game that Santana pitches, and then are able to win the next two games without, you know, obviously Santana pitching. So I think that this team has become very resilient. I think that they're going to be in it for the long haul. Um, I've seen enough to know that I think they're going to be at least one of the two wild cards or contending for the one of the two wild cards. And you can't ask for more than that, especially after last year. Absolutely. Anybody, anybody who tells you that they're not satisfied with the way they've played, and that there's a possibility that this team could contend for the second wild card, maybe even the first. And they, and if anybody tells you, first of all, that they thought that were that was possible at the beginning of the season, they're nuts. But anybody who's not satisfied with that shouldn't be a Mets fan because yeah. at this point in time, this has been just great. I mean, I, I got to be honest with you though, Joe and, and David. I haven't watched as many games because of the hockey situation, but right. I can't wait to really sit, settle down and start watching these games. I, it's going to be it, the, the, uh, some of the games that I've seen have just been incredibly enjoyable to watch. Yeah, yeah well, considering you're under the Mets suit, I fi- uh, Mr. Mets suit, I figure you know you would have an up close and personal look at them. But you know, Kevin, <laughs> I have to I have to correct something you said. You said that anybody who's not satisfied shouldn't be a Mets fan. I think you, I think as a Mets fan, you can't ever be satisfied because this team always finds a way to just you know crap the bed, as it were. I think that I love the fact they're four games over. I didn't think they'd be this good. I mean, my prediction, I think they're like 10 games under 500 at the beginning of the year, and Joe rips me about it pretty much every day. But, you know, you, you have to do, you do have to be content, but I just think about all the opportunities, and this team could easily be 10, 12 games over 500. But, sure. again, on the flip side, like you said, it's great to see that the Yankees are, what, a game, they're either at 500 or a game under 500, possibly a game over. They're, they're terrible. They can't hit. Uh, the Red Sox had to win, you know, eight, nine games in a row just to be able to get back to 500. Uh, you look at the Phillies, and they're awful. I mean, the Mets really will be contending, like you guys have just mentioned, so that is exciting. But I just have this fear in the pit of my stomach, in my lower intestines, in my bowels, deep within my guts, 
that the Mets right. are going to find a way to just embarrass us and just make this season that seems so great just come to a screeching halt because that's what they always do. Yeah, and it usually happens like directly following the All Star Game, and I think that's where <laughs> that's probably the time, right? That, that you start to you start to get. All right, uh, is this what, what Met team are we going to see right after the All Star break? Well, it's either that. But, or David Wright is going to be – they're going to find him with uh, PEDs, and he's going to get suspended for the rest of the year because right now, I mean, he's not hitting home runs, but he, but he is hitting the ball all over the park. And, I mean, this is the best I've ever seen him. So I'm fully expecting him to, to come out either some crazy, you know, scandal of his or, again, performance-enhancing drugs. Isn't it sad, though, that as Mets fans that that's sort of what we have to look forward to all the time? You know, you just look – expect the worst all the time. And that's usually what happens, too. That's the sad part. It usually turns out to be the worst. But something tells me, David, I don't think this year is going to be like those other years. Uh, it, they may not make the playoffs, fine. But and we talked about this last week. Terry Collins is the right guy for this team. And, and, and in a couple of years, I could see this team being really, really good. And, 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 and I'm going to give you another another example, too. At the beginning of the year, I remember mocking uh, Sandy Alderson for saying uh, this is going to be a fun team to watch, but he's been right. I mean, I, I mean, could, could he have been more more accurate? Tell me, this team isn't more fun to watch than the last couple of years. The Mets, I believe, lead the majors in uh, two out hits. With you know, we always talk about great pitching and timely hitting, and that's how the Mets are winning these days. They're not winning with the long ball. And when you look at the yeah. Yankees, I mean, that's the only time they do win is when they hit the long ball. So, well, Joe, not to cut you off, but think about this for a second. Ike Davis has been in the absolute the absolute crapper. This whole season, he's been terrible. Jason Bay has had no contribution. Uh, Mike Pelfrey's out for the year. And you look at all that, and then you throw it on top of that, that the Mets have all these guys coming out of nowhere. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable that the Mets are doing what they're doing because they, they really don't have a ton of talent. Yep, and they're still only two games out of first place, and they're, they're, they're in the lead for the second wild card right now. I mean, I know it's still early, but... Anybody, nobody predicted. No, but no one in their right mind saw this happening. Absolutely not. So I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic. But to be a Mets fan, you definitely can't be in your right frame of mind. And and the truth is that when I when I hear about uh, somebody putting on Twitter that a David Wright for MVP, I mean, let's calm down. It, it's the you know, third week of May. Guy's got four home runs. Well, let's all calm down, please, Mets fans. Get off the drugs. Maybe it is the end. Yeah. You know, 2012, the Yankees are in like next to last. The Mets are contending. The world's coming to an end. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? It's true, and and Mitt Romney is in the lead in the presidential poll, so it's no, really, wow. really close to the end of the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I had to throw that in there, John. I know you hate when I bring up politics, but I have to get David once in a while with the zinger. Kev, I mean, is it, isn't it time? I mean, the Mets seem to be stalling. I think. Don't you think it's time to to address the Ike Davis situation? It's time. I know, like he might have oh, his yeah. bruised. I think it's time to send it down to the minors and correct that swing. Absolutely. We said the same thing last week, and now here we are a week later, and he's still not doing a damn thing, and he's still not in the minors. So uh, I, I, I don't know what they're waiting for. Uh, Terry Collins won't out, uh, outrule it. Uh, he hasn't said that it's not, uh, it's out of the, the realm of possibilities that it gets done, but what is it going to take? I mean, what, what, Can you think of anything else he could not do to, to, to merit being sent down? I mean, at this point, it's getting ridiculous. It's just a waiting game. So it, it, it's got to be done. It's got to be done soon. So I, I just hope it's sooner than later. Something, just something to wake him up. I mean, he's not that bad a ball player. He's, he's got a lot of talent. A, a real wake-up call. That's the frustrating part is that Ike is extreme. I'm sure Mitch from Fort Lee, who's on hold right now, I'm sure Mitch would agree. Ike is supremely talented. He had an amazing first year. This guy can hit the ball 600 feet. 
And it, it's just a shame. I mean, maybe he should uh, change careers. Maybe he should go play for the Devils or the, uh, the Rangers. Well, I would <laughs> yeah. take him on the Devils. Hey, Kev, if Dave Magadan and Bruce Springsteen had a love child, it would be Ike Davis. <laughs> My God. <laughs> wow. Where did you come up with that? That is a perfect analogy. Oh, my God. That was one of Joe's late-night benders, I think, because he mentioned that to me a few months back. I mean, we, we all know that uh, that uh, Mr. Edge from the WWE, a.k.a. Adam Copeland, is actually Jason Worth of the Nationals. Right. Because that's an identical twin. But when he mentioned the, the first time he mentioned Dave Magan and Bruce Springsteen, I was like, wow, you are one sick puppy. <laughs> But he's he, he he's right on the money though. Come on, David. You, can you not see that though? That's unbelievable. <laughs> I think the only thing more amazing, the only thing more amazing that Joe said that is the fact that Bruce Springsteen actually came up on this radio show. Right. <laughs> All right, sir. We've had enough fun. We've had enough laughs. We've talked about the Mets, the appetizer for the evening. But let's talk about some hockey, the NHL playoffs specifically. Last week we were uh I believe the Devils were down one nothing and I reassured you that the Devils would come out and they did come out and played a great game, tied the series. Unfortunately, sir, on Saturday Lundquist was standing on his head the whole game and the De- the Rangers were able to pull out a victory, but then again, two nights ago the Range uh, the Devils come out and play their A game and whenever the Devils play their A game and come out flying, I think that the Rangers are in trouble. What do you think about game 3 and 4 and then we'll get to game 5? Well, what you just said is, is, is right. If the Devils play their, their A game, they dictate the pace of any game that they're playing in. And that's why I, I, I really uh, – that's why they won game number four. They did not do that in game number three. They, they were slow. They came out flat. But the thing is – I shouldn't say that. They really didn't come out slow and flat. They actually dominated the first period and the second period. But uh, occasionally Henrik has those kind of games. We're used to that as Devil fans because we've had many, many games where Marty Brodeur did exactly what Henrik Lundqvist did to many other opponents. So to a degree, I mean, I can't sit here and get aggravated that the Devils basically have outplayed the Rangers in, in I would say, well, 10 of 12 periods in this series because the bottom line is when you have a hot goalie, that's, uh, that's a, a big part of the game. So I was very disappointed in Game 3, but equally as shocked and excited uh, at a game four, and that's why I'm hoping. Uh, I hope they just come out flying and playing that same type of game uh, tonight at Madison Square Garden. If they do, this series will be over in six. It's going to sound cliche, Kev, but the Devils or the Rangers, whoever wins this game tonight, is going to win the series because I don't think yep. either team could win two games in a row. So I think that whoever wins tonight's game has a huge advantage. I think the Devils have to avoid taking an early penalty. I think they have to watch out for the, the Rangers trying to provoke them. I think, the, obviously, the Devils scoring that first goal is going to be big, take the air out of the stadium, take out the air out of Madison Square Garden, and then put some doubt in the Rangers. I think that all the pressure in the world is going to be on the Rangers, especially if the Devils come out and score the first goal and play penalty-free hockey in that first period. You're 100% right. But, Joe, the thing is, I don't know if they're equipped to come out and play that type of game. They haven't played one yet in this series. I, I, I'm not sure how they I, – I can't recall what happened in the Washington series or the Ottawa series, but the truth of the matter is the, the Rangers have come out in four consecutive games against the Devils and have not been the better team in the first period in all four games, which is just remarkable when you think about it. I don't think anybody could script it like that. And that's why I'm, I, I almost – I don't want to say – I don't want to sound arrogant. I don't want to sound overconfident because you know I'm not. I mean, after the Rangers scored and made it 3-1 in game four, I was texting you that I was getting nervous right on the spot. Right. Um, but the truth of the matter is, if the Devils come out and score first, 
they, they dictate the rest of the they dictate the play the rest of the game. They, I, I, I think they win tonight and they win game game six back at home and just end it six. That being said, this is the New York Rangers. There's a reason why they have home ice. There's a reason why they finished in first place in the Eastern Conference. And uh, with, 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 a, with a coach, the likes of the moron, John Tortorella, anything <laughs> is humanly possible. So, well, I mean, and I've and I got to tell you, I, I don't know if I've ever despised the hockey figure as much as I do John Tortorella. I can't stand that human being, and I don't say that about human beings. <laughs> well, Kevin, is there any you, – you mentioned the Rangers, you know, there, there's a reason they are where they are. Is there any truth to the rumors that John Tortorella actually paid off Gary Bettman to make sure that the Rangers uh, would make it to the uh, the finals? Dave, it's funny you say that because you, I can't tell you how many people have said to me that they think that the National Hockey League wants the Rangers to lose. Can you imagine that <laughs> the National Hockey League would want the team in the number one television market to lose and not get to the finals? I mean, that's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. But there are literally Ranger fans out there who believe that the league has it out for them. I mean, it's 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 absurd. That being said, the ratings, surprisingly, are down in this series over the Eastern Conference Finals last year. So go figure. I can't read any of this well, you stuff. Know, it makes no sense. It's interesting you, you mentioned that. I know there's obviously all the controversy and people, com- the Rangers fans complaining about the officiating. But the truth is, if you remember back about, you know, 12 years, the Mets-Yankees World Series, I mean, that did, that did great ratings here, but it sucked everywhere else. And I think the problem is when you have the New York markets, especially both, you know, two of the three New York markets here with the, uh, you know, with the Rangers and the Devils, Nobody outside of this this part of the country gives a crap, and that's the issue. That that's why, you know, whether it's the NBA Finals, whether it's the you know, Stanley Cup Finals, or even the the semifinals, or, or whatever the case is, you want teams from various markets to be able to play, so you get more of an interest. It's like you know, like I said, this area. I mean, there's so many other things going on. You got the match, you got the you know the, the NBA Finals going on, not not the actual finals, but of course the playoffs. And I think that's the issue that we run into when you have two teams from this market. You know the ratings are good, but everywhere else nobody gives a gives a flying hoot about it. Yeah, it's absolutely true. You 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 hit the nail on the head too with the 2000 World Series, which was one of the most underwatched World Series in in baseball history. I mean, um, most people in, in other markets were thinking, okay, well, first of all, it was the Yankees' fourth World Series in five years, right? And then right. and then to make it worse, it's a Subway Series. So what 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 does the guy in uh, Los Angeles care about Mets versus Yankees? Same thing with this too. Um, that's why I think, uh, regardless of who's in the finals, it'll probably get better ratings than this series has because the Kings are, are are a ridiculous story. Obviously, if the Rangers get to the finals, the ratings will be better uh, because there are just more Ranger fans out there anyway. But uh, regardless, I think it, uh, regardless of who is in the finals and from the Eastern Conference, I think it's going to make it more appealing simply because. It's not two teams from the same market, so you and, and it's a West Coast East Coast thing. Los Angeles, New York, New Jersey. It's going to be uh, it, it's going to be interesting to say the least. Kev, uh, I'll give you Zach Parisi and Brodeur have to have great games tonight. Give me a third Devil that needs to really have a good game to ensure the Devils win. I want to see Jacob Josephson come out and have a big game tonight. He's back. He's playing his second game in a row after being injured now for a long period of time since uh, I guess it was April where he he, he hurt himself. Uh, I think his his presence uh, should should uh, I, I I really want to see him come out and I want to see him fly, and uh, I didn't see too much. I, I know it was only his first game back in game number four. Didn't really need for him to be as much of a factor, but I, I, I don't know. There's something about stories about young guys who come back from injuries. I would just love to see him come out, and score a goal, 
and and plow into Henrik Lundqvist while he scores too right afterwards. So uh, that's my guy for that's my guy for tonight. I'm I, you know they have these like silly contests. Who do you think is going to score the first goal? I want it to be I want it to be Jacob Josephson, uh, just simply because he missed so much time after being uh, uh, healthy for such a good portion of the year. Well, I mean, if you were to ask me, I think that Ken Danico needs to have a have a great series. I think they needed to step it up. Right. <laughs> How was that preseason game you went to earlier this year? Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome, actually. I loved it. I had a ton of fun, and unfortunately, I, I forgot that the season was actually starting, so I didn't really pay much attention to it. But I think next year I'll pay attention. <laughs> Since we had you on like 10 weeks in a row talking hockey, and I have nothing to contribute, I'll make sure to watch next year. Now, Kev, <laughs> Kev I, I want to give you this analogy and tell me what you think about it. Like, um, yep. Rocky IV, when when uh, <laughs> when uh, when when Rocky finally hit the Russian and he said he, he made him bleed, I, I finally think that the, when the Phoenix beat the L.A. Kings and L.A., I thought that that showed me that the um, the, the whoever comes out of this Ranger Devil series, I think they have a shot against the Kings. I thought that the Kings were this unbeatable team, but I think that the Rangers and Devils could hang in with them. Uh, and that could be an awesome series, too. I don't think that it's a given or, or a foregone conclusion that the L.A. Kings now are going to win the Stanley Cup. I I still can't imagine how, despite the fact that they have done what they've done, an eight seed could ever be considered a favorite in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, I just can't envision it. This is a team that barely got into the playoffs. And I understand they have played out of their minds, uh, but, but they have played Western Conference hockey, which is more of a finesse-style hockey less hitting, less shot blocking. They're not going to know what hit them when they play either the Devils or the Rangers. I should say when they play the Devils. So, right. you know, it's, 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 I, I don't, I don't know, not only do I think they're beatable, I think they could be had very, very quickly because they just are not used to this stuff. <laughs> Excuse me, I have a tickle today. Uh, there, there, there's no reason why they, the, the Devils or Rangers can't go out and just absolutely dominate L.A. They just have not seen the type of hockey that they're going to see from the Eastern Conference. And they haven't had to travel that much either. You know, I know they had to go to, you know, Vancouver and whatnot, but that's really, that's not a cross-country type of tra- uh, uh, trip that they're, they're going to have to take coming out here and going back and forth three times. So uh, <clears throat> I think when all is said and done, the Eastern Conference representative wins the cup, no matter who it is. All right, Kev. So hopefully a week from today we'll have you on. We'll be talking about how the Devils are in the finals. Playing the LA well, Kings tonight. We're about an hour away from game uh, from from dropping the puck, and hopefully that the Devils come out flying for our sake. And uh, we have a good classic game because Game Five. It's huge. I know it's cliche to say, but the Devils have to win tonight. You're right. It's going to be. Uh, this is probably the biggest game since 2003 for the Devils, and the biggest game since 1994 for the Rangers. So. Hopefully they'll come out flying and, and, and win this. And one week from tonight is game number one of the Stanley Cup Finals. It'll be somewhere in the New York area. We just don't know where. So right. looking forward to next week, guys. Cool. All right, sir. Definitely have a wonderful evening, and thanks so much for joining us. And uh, let's go. Right. <laughs> David, Joseph, always a pleasure. Talk to you later. Right. You too, sir. That was folks. That was the one, right. one only Kevin Canessa, who is actually Mike Francesa's little brother. And from one Mike Francesa lover to the biggest Mike Francesa lover of all time, we are joined by the one and only, the incomparable, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Spider-Man himself, Mitch from Fort Lee. Mitch, I, hey, is it true, Mitch, that you got arrested for uh, texting and uh, talking during uh, during uh, your, uh, you know, last week? I mean, that, those are the rumors that we heard. I can't tell you who said it, but apparently you heard? spent some time in jail. Is this true? I, you might want to check your source on that, boys. I don't know what, uh, where you get that from, but... Uh... 
I have no further comment until I talk to my lawyer. Pleading the fifth. Sir, uh, I, I hear you want to talk to Matt, so hit us with it. Give us your thoughts on the team. I did. You know, I thought um, if I was going to wait out for an hour, I would have called Francesca in the first place. Man, <laughs> you guys are in the big time. Forget who your friends are. Uh, that's how it is. Wow. Want to associate with convicts? What can I tell you? You move up and you don't look back. Is that how it goes? That's exactly how it goes. Uh, you know, I'd actually like to ask you a question on something since we, we ended it with our previous, uh, you know, our quote-unquote guest, uh, Mr. Canessa. Ike Davis, what's up with him? What, what, if you're Terry Collins and you're uh, Sandy Alderson, what do you do with this kid? Um, I, I think what they've been talking about the last week is, is in sending him down uh, is really the only way to go. Uh, I think uh, Terry hesitated. And said, "Let's let's keep him up here, and we'll let him work his problems out up, up at the big club." But it, it's not happening. And it, it begs the question: Is he fully recovered from his injury? Is he is he has he changed his stance because he's worried about hurting his ankle? Um, and has that affected his swing? I don't think you're going to fix him while he's here. Uh, you have to send him down, let him get some good work in, let some of the other coaches work with him, and, and see what happens. You run the risk when you do that of, of totally losing the guy because you could really. You could really blow his confidence, and, and that that's much harder to recover from than an injury. Um, earlier, the uh, Ken alluded to David Wright. I mean, my 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 thoughts on David are, are the it's all psychological. They move those fences in. He felt now he could hit in this park. It's not the size of the Grand Canyon, and, and look what the guy's doing. So, so the He's mental game, as Yogi Berra once said, that ninety percent of the game is half mental. <laughs> well, Yogi Bear is, is, is an all-time legend, but uh, it's funny because right, oh, even with the parks moved in, the fence moved in, he's not hitting home runs. He's just hitting the ball all over the place. So I, it has to be mental. It just hasn't affected him in terms of hitting balls over the wall. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, just a comment. Just, just a thought that he could do it, though, guys. Uh, you know, just a thought. I, now, now, I'm, now, I'm, now I'm in play. Now I can get this done, and, he, and he's got a nice swing. And, and I think the home runs are coming. You know, you guys know Dave. Um you watching the Mets a long time. Uh, he's got too much power not to put some balls over the fence this year. Right. Now, Mitch, we've seen about, what, 40, 45 games. Uh, are you a believer that this team could contend for at least one of the two wild cards this year? Uh, I'm not. They <laughs> they just don't have the horses. I'd, I'd, love, to, I'd love to tell you yes, but uh, that I'm all in with my chips. But, but um, Dave mentioned it earlier. Um, it's early, let's not go crazy, and, and these are the Mets, and, and we're Mets fans, and we know what the deal is. Um, no, it's they're fun to watch, so I'll give you that. It's, it's very, it's, it would have been very easy to lay down and just go through the year and, and, and slap them with the rebuilding label, and, you know, nothing's going to happen. But but Terry's the type of guy, and, and, it, and it turns out he seems to be the right guy. We were all talking about, about Wally Backman last year and, and that he should have gone that way, Alderson, but, but, but Terry seems to be the guy. No, so he's got them playing. They're fun to watch. They're they're and they're 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 fighting in every game. They haven't laid down yet. Uh, I think again, what what the caller alluded to earlier, that they just don't have the horses right now. Right, but when when I look at the the Nationals, the Braves, and uh, you know the Philadelphia Phillies, I, I think oh. I think all these teams are playing uh, right around the same uh, at the same pace. Uh, I guess Philadelphia could wake up eventually and then turn it on. But right now, I mean, I think that you have to be optimistic and say that. You know, forty-four games in, the Mets are twenty-four and twenty, and nobody thought they'd be over five hundred. Yeah. No, I give you that, Jody. But you know, I, let's wait. Let's wait till the break and, and see who you are at, at that point. And, well, I think and, the um, break is too. Uh, yeah, I think. 
not to cut you off, Mitch, but I think the break is too soon. You know, we talked about this, Kevin mentioned it earlier, that we got to look at this team at the at the middle of end of August after the trade deadline because the truth is the Mets always tank. They literally tank right after the uh, right after the All Star break, so that they could look great right now. And then you know the beginning of August, and we're all flying high, and the Mets lose 15 in a row, and they're done for the year. That's very possible. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're notorious for the for the late summer swoons, but. Um... I mean, you don't know. We won't know till we get there. If, if you if you tell me in August they're 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 still where they are, where are they Joe? Two and a half out, and, and yep. competing. And then I would go, okay, let's let's buy in. But until then, uh, I'm going to be reserved about. But but you can't deny that it's been fun to watch. And uh, for a couple of uh, a couple of bad series, really, they should be they should be doing better than they are. Yeah. A couple of games they really just gave away that I I was shocked uh, to had a closer. Or the closer played up to his le- uh, the level he's supposed to, they'd be much better than they are now. Yeah, the one thing I'll give but you. I think that goes back to. Okay. No, I was just going to say that I just think that what I see is a team that doesn't want to give up, and they're very resilient. They could have easily lost and got swept by the Blue Jays. They could have easily lost two out of three to the Pittsburgh Pirates after losing the first game with Santana pitching. So I think those are all positive signs. I think uh, confidence uh, breeds confidence, and I think that this team will. We'll hover right around 500, if not be a little bit above 500. And who knows? There's two wild cards this year, and you know the second yeah. wild card team doesn't have to have a great record. No, you know, you just take it in. Anything can happen, and 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 you just hit it on the head, Joe. When when the players buy in, when the players start believing, that's when that's when you'll see them make a run. I, I think right now they they feel the same way. Yeah, we can play, but we don't know. We're just going to play every game, and, and no one's thinking. Whether whether Terry's telling them not to think it, no one's going. Oh, let's let's think about that wild card. Right. But but August oh. comes around, and we're still in the same situation. Then you might you may get everybody going. Let's 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 give it everything we got. No, definitely you're right, sir. And Mitch, you know we always appreciate you giving us your input. I got my producer here telling me that we need to we need to end this short, cut this short because uh, we're running out of time. So uh, if you have any issue, you can take it up with him. Uh, you know he's, he's yeah. I might have to do that. <laughs> producer cutting me off, is that it? <laughs> yeah, our producer. I believe I believe you you've seen him around Fort Lee texting and walking. I have. Up. I know where he lives. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, thank you so much again for calling in and hopefully next week the Mets are in a, still in a good position. And hell, hopefully in a couple of months we're still talking about the Mets and we're not, you know, off wondering uh, when the football season is gonna start. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's the key. If yeah. August we're talking about football, well, then we're done. But uh gentlemen, it's always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Folks, the one and only, the incomparable Mitch from Fort Lee. That puts a wrap on this show tonight. Absolutely perfect, spot on, the best show ever. Every week, this show just gets better and better. And, uh, Joe, it's getting kind of weird. No more technical difficulties, it seems. We're going to have something's going to have to happen next week and, and cause us not to do a show because it's been about three or four weeks in a row we haven't had a technical difficulty. You're right. Let's just get keep getting better and better, sir. Of course, as always. Folks, uh, you know, make sure you tune in next week, 6 p.m. again. Uh, hopefully we'll have a guest. Uh, we thank Lisa Mateo so much for joining us. She was wonderful. She's got to be up there on my favorite guest list. Uh, you know, again, funniest person, <laughs> the funniest guest that we've had uh, probably ever and has laughed the most, so we appreciate her. We appreciate Kevin Canessa, a.k.a. Mike Francesa, a.k.a. Salicata, a.k.a. Mr. Met, for joining us. He was wonderful, and again, thanks to uh, – the incomparable Mitch from Fort Lee for calling in. Folks, make sure you tune in next week, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Check us out, puregoldpg.com. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold reminding you to always keep it PG. Uh, what's the name of your show? Uh, Pure Gold. Pure Gold? Yes, sir. I got two words for you. 
Here's gold. Good night, everyone.